Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Cricket People podcast. I'm the host of the podcast, Jonathan Northall, and this week's podcast features Richard Stemp and Benny Howell. Richard played for Worcestershire, Yorkshire, Nottinghamshire and Leicestershire. Also, he was selected to play for England in 1994, but was left out of the final 11 to face New Zealand at Trent Bridge. Benny plays for Gloucestershire and has aspirations to break into the England white ball setup. When we recorded the interview, Benny was still striving to put in good performances for Gloucestershire in the Vitality Blast competition. However, a hamstring injury has ended his season early. It's been operated on and Benny is now recovering. I'm sure we wish Benny all the best for his comeback and look forward to seeing him back on a cricket ground in the near future. Before we get into this week's episode, I would like to tell you about the people who are supporting this series of podcasts. Serious cricket are specialists in all things cricket, including personalised team wear, equipment and coaching. They are one of the biggest personalised team wear suppliers in the UK, working with over 1,000 clubs. First up is Richard Stemp. Richard was a spinner who played between 1990 and 2002. Having played for Worcestershire, he moved to Yorkshire and during his time there was very close to picking up an England cap. It was not to be and Richard ended his career without playing internationally. I wanted to find out how that sat with him as well as exploring his domestic career. Richard and I do share something in common. We both went to the same school and it was interesting to see where my cricket career went so wrong. Let's hear how the conversation went. And with me today is ex-Worcestershire, Yorkshire, Nottinghamshire and Leicestershire player Richard Stemp. How are you, Richard? Very well. Thank you very much, Jonathan. I think the first thing we need to talk about is obviously we, we both went to the same school. Um, obviously, I didn't, did. I didn't play professional cricket, um, but you did. I just wondered how, apart from my obvious lack of talent, where, where things went wrong for me and where things went right for you. Well, I, um, I didn't play a lot of cricket at school, believe it or not, um, but I did grow up on the doorstep of Old Hill Cricket Club. Uh, which is a, a Birmingham League side, um, and it really is literally a stone's throw from where where I lived and where my parents still live. So I got introduced there very early, about eight nine years old, and it, it all literally went from there, really and truly. Loved the game, obviously loved being outside, a very outsidey person, and actually found something that I was half decent at. <laughs> so, uh, so it was worth worth following up. I, I mean, going on, on to that playing cricket at school, I mean, you'll probably remember that all-weather pitch we had, and um, it was... Exactly. It certainly wasn't conducive to bring potential you professional said, cricketers no, on. You certainly didn't want to get forward on it. In fact, the, the only good thing about it, actually, was that people did want to bowl on it for the, yeah, for the simple reason that they could hurt batsmen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Uh, the way it goes in a bowler's mental attitude, I think, sometimes. I was, I was going to ask you about, about that pitch because um, certainly by the time we, we were playing in the last year of school, you, as you say, you certainly didn't want to go on the front foot. We were, we were like West Indian cricketers on the back foot. We could just do anything, but there was no way, there was no way on earth you were going to get on the front foot because there just seemed to be a crease on or about a good length. And it, it, if you... If you caught that as a bowler, you just know you're going to take some teeth with you. That's right. Well, I actually wondered whether they, whether whoever laid the wickets had a, an evil sense of humour and laid that there on purpose. I, I guess yeah. that's where, because of Old Hill kind of being a, a, a testing ground for, for Worcestershire, is, is it through that relationship that 
Worcester picked you up. Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, um, Old Hill actually borders three counties, uh, which you probably know. There's, there's Worcestershire, Warwickshire, and Staffordshire. Staffordshire being a minor county. So I went because because Old Hill was in Worcestershire. I went for under team trials with Worcestershire, and because of my my allegiance to Old Hill. Obviously, Worcestershire was the county that I was I was tied to. I did yep. go for nets at Edgbaston at Warwickshire Saturday mornings, along with a lot of other guys. But obviously, with with as soon as I said, "Who do you play for?" It was like Old Hill. Okay, well they're they're Worcestershire based, so uh, we can't we can't really step on, especially under thirteen, under fifteen, under <laughs> sixteen. You know, it's not really a poaching ground for for other coaches, really. So. Absolutely, and I think the the rivalry between Warwickshire and Worcestershire as well probably didn't help. I did do a little bit of research on you, and the earliest game I could actually find um, for you playing was actually a second eleven game in 1986 against Leicestershire. Um, I I don't suppose you remember that game, do you? I do indeed. I remember it very, very well. I got taken up there by a friend of my dad's because obviously they were at work. My mum and dad were at work. I had to get there somewhere. It was a late call up. So I went up and um, one of the days was rained off. So we had a professional, our old, old professional guy called Paul Pigeon who played a lot of first class cricket for Worcestershire. And he introduced us to a game of jacks, which is a bar game played with, with drinking and, and a lot of fun. And after that, I thought, yep, yeah, this is the life. This is the life I could actually get quite used to living. So uh, I do remember it. I don't remember the scoreline, but I remember it very much as being, yep, I like, I like the look of this cricket lark. And, uh, and from that point then, from, from that second eleven game in 1986, eventually you made yep. your debut in 1990. Um, Worcestershire did have a decent side with players. We had a, we had a great side. We yeah, had an t- Tim Curtis. Phil yep. Neal, Steve Rhodes, people yep. like that. Obviously, obviously, yep. Ian Ian as well. Graham, yeah. Graham Dilly, God rest him. Uh, Phil Newport, Richard Illingworth. Mm. You know, the, the list. That was a that was a very, very, very good county side. Um, that must have been very daunting for you, Richard, to try and break into that team. Well, like I say, you don't really, or I certainly don't think like that. All I did was just do what I do, if you know what I mean. I, I never really had that sort of, how can I put it, uh, do or die attitude when it came to fellow teammates or fellow squad mates. You know, I, if I got my call, then I'd take it and I'd do as best as, as I could. But I was never one of those who thought, I should be playing instead of him, or you know, I just uh, I I was actually quite easy going in that in that way. Once I crossed the white line, however, it was a different matter. Quite honestly, I was I was very competitive, and I still am very competitive. And I, th- I don't think that's something you ever lose. And I think that's something you have to have. Uh, I don't think you need the, the vindictiveness of of trying to outdo teammates, but I do think you need the the competitive edge to want to want to beat people at doing anything. I mean, I I work on building sites. And I have to fill my wheelbarrow full of stone before the bloke next to me fills his wheelbarrow full of stone. So I, I still have that that competitive part of me. You know, uh, I don't yeah. think you ever lose that. But I think it's an important part of of what professional sports people do. When you had the the band for for the amphetamine with which was administered yep. by a spike drink, that must have been 
another yeah. test of your resolution because knowing that you were innocent, but obviously you were banned, and it, due process had to go through before before that ban was rescinded. It, it must have well, it must have been a difficult time for you. It was it was heartbreaking. I mean, everybody got involved. My my girlfriend at the time, my parents, friends. You know, and obviously they didn't know anything. I mean, I wouldn't, I surely wouldn't be the first person to say I didn't do it. And obviously, then you, you, like you say, you have to wait for it all to come out. And I know it wasn't, it wasn't a very good time. But I had a lot of help from the ECB and my club secretary, the Reverend Michael Watkins, who were massive helps. Honestly, kept me going, kept me, kept me sort of buoyant and, and positive. And we came through it in the end. I then felt as though I let Worcester down. In fairness, because I then. I played part of the season uh, when Richard Illingworth was playing for England. I'd come into the first team and, and done well, or fairly well. And then I got a phone call from Geoffrey Boycott to sort of say, do you want to come up and play at Yorkshire? Play first-class cricket. Phil Carrick was going to retire from the Yorkshire side. And he said, you know, would you like to come up? Are you interested in coming up? Uh, yeah. and, and again, they were superb, you know, they, they sent me away with the blessing. So, yeah, but it, but it, was, a, it, it was a fairly harrowing time, but it, it turned out for the, the best in the end. So. Well, with, yeah. with the move to Yorkshire, it was at a time where non-Yorkshire players w- were actually being allowed to play, play for the county. It must have been another test of, of your, of your oh, belief. Because... That, was, that was quite daunting. It really was. You're right, I was the first non-official uh, non-Yorkshireman to play for Yorkshire, apart from the overseas, obviously, that had uh, yeah. Sachin the year before I got there. But yeah, it was it was quite amusing. First home game at Headingley, walking around the ground, and a lad came up to me and said, uh, a York foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry. And he said, a York foreigner. And I said, well, I was born about 130 miles away, but I wouldn't say I was a foreigner. And there was quite a bit of it. There was quite a bit of that. Um, we don't need non-Yorkshire players here, lad. But again, six years spent there, all very good, all very happy. The club was great. The players I played with, again, some, some excellent players, Michael Vaughan, Darren Goff, Richard Blakey, Craig White. You know, I've been very, very lucky to play alongside some, some very, very good cricketers and some, some very decent fellas, to be honest. And, and that Yorkshire connection almost got you selected for England in 94. And I'm not saying it wasn't for your ability right. as well, but obviously Railingworth had become, I think he was chairman of selectors for England, and you, and you got yeah. called up for the first test against New Zealand at Trent Bridge. But you were in the squad, but you, you didn't make it. Was that frustrating no. to be... in? I was, to me, it was a dream come true to actually be in contention. You know, it's um, something I wanted to do. And I just took in the atmosphere, quite honestly, Jonathan. It was, um, again, not one of those type of people who, uh, I'm not a pushy person. So the fact that I didn't play didn't upset me too much. You know, again, it was a, it was a great experience. And it was just unfortunate that it, that it had to end through an altercation with, another player in another game that got me kicked out of that squad you know just and, and again just trying to play the game in the right way yeah you did get representative honours for England A you went on two tours one to India and Bangladesh and one to Pakistan yep. how, how did you find those was was that a, a, an experience that you still look back on now I loved it I absolutely loved it. The getting out and actually seeing um, other parts of the world and uh, getting to know their cultures, the different players playing on different different surfaces, all, all excellent experience. We beat India in their own backyard, which was a great achievement. 
for us. So, so everything was very good. Again, when <laughs> when went with a squad that absolutely fabulous. us. I mean, some of the names in those in those squads that I went with, again, very, very, very good cricketers. So again, very, very lucky. But I enjoyed it. I mean, the the poverty was an eye opener. A lot of the a lot of the things we saw sort of opened our eyes to the other side of the world. But on the whole, cricket wise, it was superb. Can't complain. I've been I've enjoyed traveling. I mean, cricket's taken me all over the world. And with your time at Yorkshire that finally came to an end and you were told that you were not going to be required any longer. Uh, how did that feel, Richard, to, to be told that we, we don't need you anymore? Well, that, that actually hurt quite badly because I didn't quite understand where Yorkshire were going with it. I think they were trying to um, bring in younger players. Um, I mean, I wasn't very... About 30 when, when I left Yorkshire and I, and I just didn't quite get there I mean there was no reason to wait we don't think you're doing this we don't think it was just you know we, we don't we don't feel we need you so I, I wasn't I was a bit iffy about that but never never followed it again it's just in one of those things it's all part and parcel of professional sports one minute you're a hero next minute you're zero so um, that is the nature of the game nature of the of the job did it feel like it was going to be the Sorry. end of your career or did you? Did you always? Well, were you always confident of getting another deal? I, I was. I was pretty confident that I still had something to offer the game. And luckily, sort of Jason Gallion, who I went on on one of those tours with, gave me, gave me a call and said, you know, Rice, Clive Rice is coming to Nottingham. Would I be interested in joining him and Jason and coming and playing there? That that was a lifeline as such. And then. So I went. I went to Nottinghamshire. I'm happy to. You know, again, no um, no regrets at Yorkshire. I don't hold any grudges. It was a good time, and and we just parted company on their on their choice. And right at the end of your career, you played a couple of games for Leicestershire. Played, with... yeah. I played. I think I played one at Scarborough against Yorkshire. <laughs> yes, it was one county championship game and one Norwich Union League game. Yeah, it was it was at Scarborough, um, and I was I was looking through the scorecards, and your teammates included Javagal Trinath and. TMS commentator now Charles Dagnall. That's right, absolutely. I, I quite again, you know, I've always enjoyed playing cricket. Always enjoyed it. So it doesn't really matter who you play for, where you play. If you're enjoying the game, then there's there's always something going on. I, I remember from that Scarborough game, um, I'd been out for, I hadn't played for half a season. I certainly hadn't done any winter training. Uh, and I suddenly got a call because their their spinner, Carl Crow, the off spinner, he'd had an injection for a groin problem. And would I mind playing for them, helping out while he wasn't available? So I said, yeah, absolutely not a problem. I remember chasing the first ball at Scarborough and just thinking my hamstrings are going to snap. And that is probably when I first thought to myself, can't do this, literally cannot do this been out of the game for a little bit too long things aren't working the way they should and that was the first time that I suddenly thought oh, okay time to look to do something else <laughs> yeah that's a funny feeling as well yeah, I was going to say when you sort of step off for the last time it sounds like you probably you knew you were never going to go back professionally yeah and yeah how, how did that feel I mean had you got plans on what you were going to do after cricket I had ended? I mean the thing, what I, what, I, what I envisaged happening, Jonathan, was that when I was at Knott's, I had a season where I broke my thumb, each thumb. I broke one, getting hit on it at the Rose Bowl, uh, and then the, after the six weeks of it healing, came back 
and broke the other one in a second 11 game. So that was tw- that's basically 12 weeks out of a 24-week season. And I think that was one of the, the, the reasons that Notts let me go. But what I was hoping to do at Notts was have another couple of years and, and probably do something like a Microsoft engineers course, because uh, I, I did like my computers, and then hopefully take, take that into outside of cricket. Never happened. Got released by Notts. Luckily, I was in a relationship with an Irish girl whose dad worked on a building site and she said well why don't you go out with my dad and see see how you get on with that which I did and absolutely loved it from the first day absolutely loved it it was just like being on a cricket pitch it was outside it was hard work and people took the mickey 24 7 you know so it was a <clears throat> without the bat and ball it was still the same environment atmosphere if you, if you get what I mean there, there was no wanting to stay in cricket, in coaching or in administration, you, you were happy no, to just walk no. away? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not an office person. I, I, don't, I don't really work indoors if I can help it. I'm not a coach. I'm not a very good coach. I haven't got a lot of patience. <laughs> it's, you know, so that, that wasn't a route I could go down. Sometimes I'm a bit blunt with things I say, so probably commentary <laughs> wouldn't be the best idea either. So no, I was, I was quite happy to sort of say, Thank you, cricket, been fabulous, and and walk away. Uh, obviously, I still played club cricket. Well, in truth, I had a salt for four years after after the career ended, and then I I decided, well, you know, I could still play. So I played some club cricket at Northampton Saints, which was again just great fun. Enjoyed it immensely. My final question, Richard, is: How do you feel about cricket now? Is it something that you still watch? You still Want to want to put the TV on and watch it, or is it something that you can just take it or leave it? I I'm still involved. Well, I'm still involved. I still go and play the odd benefit game, or you know, um, meeting up ex-players, that sort of thing. Um, I still enjoy doing that. I've just had a new hip about eight weeks ago, so that's that's set in, and hopefully that should get me fit enough to at least take part in more cricket. Uh, my mum and dad still watch cricket every day. I'm just about to go into my mum's now uh, on the way to work, uh, and I bet she's got cricket of some sort on. Um, so we're still we're still very cricket orientated minded, and I still watch when I can. I, I don't watch as much as I perhaps should, but uh, but you know, with a family of family of four kids, work and all the rest of it, it's it's more time than not wanting to. If you get me, Jonathan. Good, good luck with the hip. Hope it uh, settles down and you can get back on. I'm loving it. I have to. I'm absolutely loving it, mate. I would, I would recommend it to anybody. Okay. <laughs> quite honestly. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll bear that in mind. <laughs> Jonathan, thank you very much indeed, mate. Richard, thank you. Appreciate you taking your time, mate. Not a problem, sir. Not a problem. Serious Cricket, the UK's number one cricket specialist for personalised teamwear, equipment and coaching. Find out more at seriouscricket.co.uk and use promo code POD for 10% off your first order. The next interview features Benny Howell. Having interviewed Benny before for an article I wrote, it was good to be able to elaborate on some of the points that I couldn't previously. Here is what Benny had to say. First question is, I just wanted to know really when you started to play cricket and your father played second 11 cricket for Warwickshire and I wondered how much of that was an influence on you to get involved in the game. Well, yeah, I can't really remember. Obviously, he he did it before I was even born, so it wasn't exactly then when he did it. It was the fact that I actually was brought up in a, in a school, the Yorkshire School in Reading, um, and we lived on the school grounds where my dad, dad ran the uh, sports centre there. And... Um, 
literally I used to go down and watch the first 11 play and there's nets down there. I just couldn't get away from it. So, I mean, I loved all sports. I played them all, but cricket was obviously one that stuck out and that was probably my you know, earliest memories of, of playing cricket, yeah. So you went through school and eventually you got picked up by Hampshire. So you played second 11 cricket and then you finally break into the side, predominantly in white ball cricket. What did you think mm. you took away from that experience, Benny? I was quite, I was quite young, and I was actually quite young and uh, a little bit naive with uh, all the things going on, a bit obnoxious, I guess. Uh, you know, as a youngster, so I sort of, I probably didn't um, give myself the greatest chance at Hampshire in terms of you know um, behaviours and, and and attitude and training and stuff. I was sort of just enjoying the ride a little bit, so. After that was that I really wanted to to sort of change my act and um and and give it a good crack and and I knew I could bowl which I didn't do much for Hampshire but as soon as I moved I, I was still right this is this is where I've got to earn my living is uh, not just as a batter but also as a bowler because when you did start to play for Hampshire it it, it was kind of thrown in a little bit you you played in the Caribbean 2020 um. Yeah, you, you got to the final but lost to Trinidad and Tobago. And as you say, mm. being quite young, do you, do you think it was too soon or did you think it was the lessons needed to be learned for your development? No, lessons need to be learned. It wasn't. It's never too soon. That, you know, you've got to learn. Um, well, what I found is that you didn't, you didn't really get too much guidance there from the, from the, the very relaxed nature. So it's, it's completely different now to what you get, I guess, at most counties, I would have thought, but also especially to the guidance you get in terms of, um, you know, psychol- sports psychologists and, and your, your gut, your S&C, your coaches who talk to you, you know, on a one-to-one, one-on-one basis, sort of at Hampshire, they just let you get on with it. So I sort of just got on with everything, where everything was fine, and it was sort of, you know, there's some big-name players there you just sort of, like, enjoy and, and play and without actually, you know, really thinking about actually, what you know, how, how hard do you want to, where do you want to go, do you know what I mean? But it, it's obviously up to you to do it. Even now, even though the guidance you get, which definitely helps, but you've got to make your own way. Um, that's how you've got to do it. So it's sort of a bit cutthroat in that way, um, which is fine. I think it was a good, good sort of valuable lesson to have learned. At least I did it earlier, I guess, rather than later. Yeah. Um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of like how, how to act, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the 2011 season, you decided that you were going to move on um, and eventually you signed for, for Gloucestershire. What were the reasons yeah. for leaving Hampshire? Was it the fact that you felt that you needed somewhere new? Because as you, as you said yourself, you didn't quite do things maybe as, as, as well as you should have done. Yeah, I, was, it was, I needed something new. I, I, needed, I, needed, I wanted to play. I felt at that point I was, I was more than good enough to be playing in the first team on a regular basis, especially in the four-day format, which, which I only played one game, I think, for Hampshire four-day, and I got... I think I top scored for the Hampshire in that game, but then again they just carried on picking guys who obviously probably getting paid the most, and they're you know the guys from overseas signings and everything, and then just felt like I wasn't getting a fair opportunity. Um, so I just wanted a wanted a move and and, and to to a club where obviously like Doshio, you're probably going to get more opportunity than the, than the bigger clubs. So it was actually a pretty good. I think it was a pretty good decision to move. I mean then then after that my bowling sort of took over in a way. Well especially in the T20s, but that's how it goes. But um, yeah, I think it was it was probably that was the main main decision to try and play more first-team cricket. And it sounds like it felt more at home straight away and obviously you, you're still there, so they're obviously treating you right still. Um, so yeah. so there's, there's certainly no regrets 
there is always regrets in terms of how you wish you had been and this, but you can't control that. But in terms of the moving, no, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, who knows what opportunity I would have got if I carried on there? I don't know. But yeah, it's been such a family club last year. I mean, it's 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 obviously as a budget club in terms of they they've got a strict budget. They're not, not getting as much money as as these other counties, so they have to sort of manage that, which can be frustrating at times as a player. But apart from that, it's um it, it's a very nice club. And Bristol's a bloody good city as well. It's nice nice sort of nice to be able to live here and play, you know, and play and feel comfortable, and you know. So, looking at your career, um, as, as you moved on, you've now played three seasons in the Bangladesh Premier League. And I just wondered how that came about, because it seems so far away from, from the UK. Um, and, and is it something that you want to do more of, is, is play franchise T20 cricket? Well, obviously, I just want to play as, as harsh level as I can, to be honest. Um, and franchise cricket is obviously... You know, is is up there. You know, that depends on the tournament, but generally it's got world class players in in most of the tournaments. So, yeah, I want to carry on playing that. Uh, I also want to try and you know, still I'm still my ambition to play for England T20, um, the World Cup next year coming in. So, got to give myself the best chance for that as well. So, I mean, in all of that, I'm I definitely want to play, um, but I'm not not quite ready to give up the four day game yet. I still haven't quite cracked it, and I'm quite keen to do it. <laughs> I feel like I'm close, but. Um, oh. I was going to ask the question, you know. do you consider yourself to be a yeah. white ball specialist? And it sounds like that you probably are, reluctantly are, um, but, but there's still yeah. some work to do and there's still some, um, you're still some games to play with a red ball. No, obviously numbers-wise, definitely suggest I'm a white ball specialist, but I, I'm someone who doesn't like giving up easily. So I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I feel like I, I've got a lot to offer in the four-day game and I just hope my performances can show, especially this season, maybe down the line as well. But looking into the future in terms of, you know, four or five years' time, definitely probably could see myself just playing sort of T20 cricket, but not quite yet. Do you feel that Red Bull's more of a challenge then, Benny? Oh, yes. It's a very, very tough game to crack. I'm jealous of the guys who have done that because the, mainly because the Red Bull just moves so much, so much more than the White Ball. So your technique definitely comes way more under scrutiny than in 2020 and, and, and one-day cricket. Um, and obviously, it's a longer format, so you've got to sort of deal with the sort of the long sort of concentration sort of part of the game as well, which, whereas in T20, you just, you know, you're going out there for 100, 115 minutes and you just got to go all out. So, yeah, it's a different type of challenge, but it's definitely, for me, I find it more challenging, yeah, which probably draws me to, to it a little bit. So w- what areas do you feel the need that you need to develop in, in Red Bull cricket? Batting. Um, bowling, I'm not too too fussed about. I'm happy just doing the job, you know, doing that sort of boring job. But yeah, batting is definitely something I want to crack um, in terms of consistently scoring runs and trying to score a lot more hundreds um, than I have done. So you're obviously not going to get scores all the time, but it's more on a, you know, cause the consistency of it is, is, is the key for me. If I can do that, then, then I'll be a happier man, I guess. <laughs> it seems that red ball cricket is definitely far more about patience and it, not that I ever got anywhere near being able to play cricket at any decent level, but I, I don't think I'd have the patience. Like, white ball cricket, obviously, you know, it, it's, it's over fairly quickly. You get in, you, you've got to do everything ever so quickly, whereas red ball cricket is a patient game. You, you, you're setting people up two or three overs down the line. And again, you probably do that a little bit in white ball cricket, but even more so in red ball cricket. So, are you not? Are you not a patient man when it comes to cricket? 
No, it's it's for me. It's it's, it's it's patience is such a general word. Like yeah, it's patience, but at the same time, it, it it's all it's more like I guess in terms of patience, it's more patience in how you go about your mental routines and how you line up each bowler. I think it's very tactical as well as a better working out where to bat, what's your shots. It, it's not just about like got to be patient because when the ball moves, you can be patient to still get out and, and defend it. It's about having a good defence and and having the right game plan for each bowlers. As you see, a lot of different all, all different batters have a different way of playing, you know. And I think you know successfully, you got people like you know, Maddie Hayden when he played in the Test match. He just you know he wasn't exactly the most patient man, but he was someone who dominated the bowler and he scored loads of runs. Whereas Alistair Cook maybe he was more patient. So I mean, everyone's different. It's just they sort of worked out what suits them best and then just stuck to that consistently. And that's where their patience come in. Is that they know their game plan, but they were sort of patient with their their mindset and doing that every single ball. And that's that's the challenge. The first challenge is obviously you know, finding out what is your game plan, what's the best best way of, of scoring, really. Um, and that's why the best are the best is because they figured that out. So moving back to white ball cricket, um, you've got a reputation for having a variety of deliveries. I just wondered yeah. how you keep inventing. Are there other sports that you borrow from? Is it about what's the process for for, for um, coming? Because with franchise cricket, because <clears throat> you, you're playing with lots of different people, and you kind of sometimes you're you're on the same side. And if you play at a different franchise, they're against you, and they they must learn that because they watch you how how you bowl. So how do you keep reinventing yourself? Yeah, well, I, don't, I watch a lot of baseball um, because obviously. You see the pitches, it's all about movement of the ball and all about the change-ups they use. Um, albeit it's a bit different because they throw it and, it and it's, you know, they don't bounce on the floor, but it's the same principle. You're just trying to con the batter with certain subtle things. So I get a lot from that. And I always I always carry a white ball with me. Um, I've got a white ball now in my hand. I just I just hold it, just sort of a bit, bit of a badger like that. And then ideas just come spring to mind what if I bowl off this finger or that finger or come here or there and most of it could be a load of rubbish but you know some of it might stick and then you work on it and and then you bowl to a batter and see if it works and and then you carry on trying to perfect it so it's sort of like a little process like that with me and um, I think because I enjoy it so much that's probably why I've probably been more successful T20 bowling than than any other sort of skill in the game. So how long does it take from a a ball to you come from an idea to eventually you you bowling it in a match. What for want of a better word? What's, yeah. what's the gestation period of, of of a new delivery? Well, it's hard. It's hard to say because it depends on the ball, I guess. So, so, like for example, when I did the knuckle, like I don't know how long I played baseball six seven years ago in Melbourne, and I did it, and I started bowling it, and actually came pretty quick. Um, in terms of getting my length right with it, it actually came as soon as starting bowling it, really. But then it was sort of the perfecting the trying to perfect the right seed movements and, and changing that around which which has been harder so that that takes a while it's still going in a minute so it's hard to put a number on that mm. um there's a new ball at the minute that's taken me maybe it's the second third year maybe this will be the third season i'm trying to bowl it and it's starting to come out <laughs> it's this one starting to come out almost consistently but I'm, I, I'm i'm almost ready to do it so that, that one's taken ages but i feel like if i get it right it could be it could be a great ball is there any balls that you've you've given up on? I'm, I'm guessing you're going to say no yeah. because of, uh, or, or or probably not based on what you said earlier about you keep persisting because two to three yeah. years to me just sounds like an absolute lifetime. Yeah, well, it's it's just funny because I sort of 
you don't want to neglect all your other balls, your other skills that you have. So you don't like always bowl it like that's the only ball you bowl. Do you know what I mean? So you just find times where you like this is a good time to work on it. So given that, yes, if that was the only ball I was working on without any ball, any other balls to bowl, then yeah, that'd probably take quicker. But because I've still got to bowl normal normal balls and my other change ups, then obviously I can't work on work on it as much as like you know as doing it just on its own. So. Um, there is there is some balls I've given up on definitely, uh, but that's more to do with working out. Is it really relevant to me? And will this one take way too long as well? You know, do you know what I mean? So if this one doesn't work for three years, then I probably will just decide probably not worth carrying on with it if it's going to interrupt training. You know, all my, all my other stuff. So we've talked about the 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 bowling side, and as an old Randy, we've obviously got the batting to to briefly talk about too. What are the kind of things that you develop as a batter to try and gain an advantage um is, is there is i mean is there anything new that you can bring to the game as a batter I'm, I, again i i can't see that there is but again that's why i'm not a professional cricketer <laughs> i don't see batting not so much i don't think i have i don't think i could bring too many new things i think there's been a lot of inventions the last five ten years with the scoops and the ramps and the sort of that so i mean no i haven't really thought of anything with the bat to be honest um so uh more about for me more about power hitting and and hitting the areas where i'm strong to be honest it's a bit more simple and boring than than my bowling i guess but um i think the power hitting things i think julian wood if you heard of him he he's sort of done a bit of franchise and he he's been working with a lot of the guys and and getting a hipster and 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 just trying to hit the ball further and and longer so that's pretty much um that's all that i've been concentrating on with the batting okay so if we move on to your aspirations for playing for England, you talked about it a little bit earlier. So that's very much still on the career plan to try and break into mm-hmm. the T20 World Cup next year here in Australia. Yeah. So what do you think you need to do, Benny? And secondly, do you think <coughs> the change of coach with Trevor Bayliss moving away might give you, give you an opportunity or at least the opportunity for the new coach know. to look at you? Look, I don't know. I think the cap has a big say anyway on Morgan, so I'm not sure it'll make a big difference. I just, in terms of me, I think if I can perform more so with the with the bat, if I can start so being able to be picked as a as a top six batter at franchise cricket or a you know four you know four overs a game bowler, if they can pick say right this guy could do, do either, then I think I've got myself in a good chance to play. So obviously, when I keep my stuff up with my bowling, you know, keep that going. Hopefully, I have another good year, but also try and perform better with the bat than I have done in the past. I think that would definitely um, hold a good step for when the selection comes and whenever it is next year or end of the year. So you'll be looking to put in some good performances in the blast that, that starts soon? Obviously, that's the, that's the key now, yeah. Try and, try and dominate as much as I can and, and um, see what happens. Have you got any plans to play any other T20 franchise cricket over the next 12 months? Yeah, there is obviously Bangladesh again. I'm not sure exactly where it is because they keep changing the times. There's that. There's um, there's a T10. This is not fun. It's not T20, but T10 is obviously a key um, to play in. It's good fun as well. And um, PSL after that was is a big one for me. Um, and then who knows if I have a good summer. I mean, who knows what tournaments like Big Bash may come. I don't know. Who knows? But um, I was going to ask you about the Big Bash League because obviously um, you've You've played um, great cricket here in Australia, and I wondered if if the Big Bash was one of those things that you got an eye on. Yeah, definitely. I obviously love playing it, but you know, they obviously you got to get 
picked for that first. I think that also, if I did get picked, then it obviously and did well, and obviously that would also help, you know, chance again select for England in the in the World Cup squad and stuff. So, I mean, it's all it's all possible. I just got to go out and perform in the blast first, and then see where that takes me. So, my final question is about what the plan is for Benny Hill once the playing career has ended, once you've crossed the line for the last time and you, you hang yeah. your boots up, what, what's the master plan? There's no master plan, but the sort of ideal dream plan would be move to America because my wife's American citizen and I've got my son, who's 14 months now, and uh, I'd love to get him into some American sports as well as cricket over there as it's growing um, and have a bit of a more consistently sunny lifestyle <laughs> after that and then um who knows what i'll do after that i mean obviously got a few ideas but it, it could also depend a lot on how my career goes and, and where you know i might meet new people and see what see what happens after that but i'm pretty open to to different things so you you don't necessarily want to stay in the cricket world in some way coaching or 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 not necessarily i do enjoy coaching but i I, I don't know. We'll see. My my wife's into um she she's a wine sommelier, so she she's sort of given up her her job, a good job over in America to follow me. So maybe it's time for me to step down when I'm when I retire and and see where she goes with that. And I'll I'll find something in the meantime. Maybe a bit of writing. Maybe a bit of this. Maybe a bit of coaching. Who knows? But um, I think also USA cricket are growing in terms of um, we've seen a lot of money being put into. If I'm there, then. Who knows? Might might go into coaching down the line, but we'll see. Maybe even get into baseball somewhere, Benny, because it sounds like you're very much attached to baseball. Now we're talking about the ultimate dream: <laughs> <laughs> become general manager of uh, Miami, the, the Marlins. So, that would be the dream. So you're obviously a big baseball fan, and and once playing days, oh, yeah, love it. You're going to be able to watch some baseball then, especially if you're going to move to the states. Oh, yeah. Be the dream. I love it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, well, thanks for speaking to me today, Benny. Really enjoyed the chat. Hope whatever you Thank aim you. for, you, you can achieve. It sounds like you're the sort of guy that's just going to keep going at it and you're going to give yourself the best chance. So I, I wish you all the best for that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So there we are. We have heard from Richard and Benny. In many ways, both have similar careers. Whether Benny will finally get international recognition is yet to be seen. If he doesn't, he won't be for the want of trying. It was good to speak to Richard and I hope that you could actually understand what we were saying because I'm sure our accents worsened as the interview went on. Next week's episode features Alan Butcher and Glenn Pocknell. Both are coaches, but at different ends of their careers. Although I'm sure that Alan isn't quite finished with cricket, he has seen a lot with Essex, Surrey and Zimbabwe. Whereas Glenn has recently been appointed coach of the Wellington Firebirds in New Zealand. Having been under Bruce Edgar's wing for a few seasons, 2019-20 sees Glenn flying solo. Please make sure that you rate, review and subscribe to the podcast in your preferred podcast app. If you have any feedback about the podcast, please contact me via Twitter or via my website. On Twitter, I am at Jay Northall and the podcast is at cricket underscore pod. Please give both accounts a follow if you aren't already. My website is jonathannorthall.com if you want to email instead. Thanks for listening. Go back and check out earlier episodes if you haven't already and speak to you next time. <laughs>